Whoa, you're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcast Matrix. What is the podcastmatrix.com? When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition, episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. The fight game has always been an interesting one. Whether it's traditional boxing, MMA, jiu-jitsu, or in many cases, wrestling, the personalities, legends, and tales of the events of structured combat between two fighters throwing down makes for always exciting times. Until the gloves that the fighter wears are the gloves that kill. But it's not the gloves themselves that kill but rather the shadowy, dark, magic, tethered, perilous partner that murders. It's time to listen to another episode of the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 8, Shadow Boxer. Greetings, everyone. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. An always exciting nod to the podcast matrix, the people that host our podcast. Remember that if you're looking for space for your entire podcast library, there's really only one place to go, Nick. That's the podcast matrix. Right. That's over at podcastermatrix.com. Nick, I'm really excited about talking about this episode because I do remember some of watching this. Oh, really? When I was a kid. And so let, let's get straight to the retelling for this episode. Season 1, Episode 8. Shadow Boxer. Like so many of the objects that were sold from Uncle Lewis's collection... This is also steeped in major league history and legend. Mm. This time, the history and legend of fighting. Very, very interesting. Professional box. Well, semi-professional boxing. But, right. We, but boxing, nonetheless. We open up inside of a wonderful boxing gym that has all of the hallmarks of a real gym. Very, very cool. It was extremely Posters. authentic. It was incredibly authentic. Posters that line the wall from previous fights. Uh, little doodads and calendars and notations of things being for sale. Mm -hmm. The heavy bag, the center-placed ring for people to go and actually fight. Everything that you can imagine was there, as well as the wonderfully crusty coach-slash-owner of the gym, Manny. Yeah. Manny is training one of his obviously shining stars, Kid Cornelius. 
while very begrudgingly another a, a pseudo boxer slash janitor, <laughs> uh, good old Tommy Dunn, Tommy Dunn. is uh, looking on with uh, jealousy in his eyes. Evidently, uh, Tommy's got some problems. Tommy's got some issues, and uh, Tommy's never going to be a contender. <laughs> too true, too true. But he wants to be a contender because there's a pair of gloves in Manny's office kept secreted in a box that Dunn really wants to put on. Right. He's apparently had them on before, and when he puts them on, he feels he feels fire. Fire! He feels new energy and, and strength that he can't tap otherwise, and he needs the gloves. Mm. And so he asks Manny, Manny... Can I can I can I just have those gloves, dude? There's there's something special. I feel fire when I got them on my hands. No, you bum! You can't touch those gloves. <laughs> he, he really he just man. He totally goes off on him. Yes. And Tommy's not going to have any of it. And so as Manny leaves the gym for the evening, Tommy goes and dons the gloves. And as he dons the gloves, they begin to shake violently. Speaking of shaking violently, he eventually touches the wall which touches the shadow of him with gloves on and the shadow springs to life yes forming the shadow boxer and the shadow boxer steps outside and beats the holy living crap out of poor manny killing manny but not before he can write two letters in blood on the fruit punch cardboard box and it really said that there was a box and it said fruit punch (laughs) after he had gotten his ass kicked i I hope that that was actually deliberate because that was great (laughs) uh yes he writes out t o in blood and then dies with like a a giant jabba (laughs) now ironically enough manny's wife ends up calling the curious goods antique store because now that her husband has died there's a lot of boxing memorabilia that she thinks could maybe bring in some money and they have actually had dealings with the antique store back when uncle lewis ran the place they actually came in and they bought a pair of gloves of gloves and the gloves belonged to killer ken kelsey Killer Ken Kelsey. Hmm. That's a very interesting name. I wonder if it was perhaps because <gasps> the gloves kill. And remember, it's not the gloves that kill. It's the shadow boxer it's that the kills. the shadow boxer that kills. Yes. So our trio of heroes head to the gym to check out the boxes and goods that the wife has awaiting. And unfortunately, the gloves are not to be found. They figure, well, I'll tell you what, we'll check... Uh, the fighters inside of the gym because maybe one of them grabbed them. Because the gloves actually have the word killer um, stenciled into the the, the wrist leather. Yeah, yeah. And so Mickey goes and grabs a camera with a giant, huge lens and a giant flash on it. Yeah, she's a shutterbug in this episode. Yeah, who doesn't appear to know how to hold the camera appropriately, <laughs> but that's all right. A million inconvenience. And... She takes pictures of each of the fighters, and again, inside of the frame of the shot, you can clearly see that if the gloves had the word killer on them, well, then you'd be able to see them. Right. Eventually, she takes a photograph of Tommy, and on the wrists of the gloves is the word killer. Dun, dun, dun. We've connected the dots. Right. Tommy's ready to to throw down inside of his first fight where he's got the gloves. After having a run-in, 
with Super Duper Tony out in the parking lot. Oh, that's a terrific Tony. Ter- Thank you very in much. Fact, he was so terrific. <laughs> he was so terrific in the parking lot <laughs> that Tommy sends the shadow to murder his ass while he's in there beating on the other guy. And because the shadow boxer kills somebody, Tommy is able to win his match. And now he's no longer considered a loser or a bum. He's no longer a bum. (laughs) So Tommy is riding high, but he really wants a piece of Kid Cornelius. And of course, Kid Cornelius still doesn't have the time for him. But what he does have the time is to be completely and totally creepy on Mickey. Yeah, and strangely enough, after the first initial turndown... The way that they figure out a way to get in close to Tommy is to have Mickey woo Tommy. And so that's exactly what she does. She calls him and she and Ryan and Jack drive on over to near Tommy's house. She calls him on a payphone. Because, you know, we don't have cell phones at, the, at this right, point in, in time. In a phone booth, no less. Uh, wow, fu- what? That might be our vocabulary word. I phone booth. I totally agree with that. <laughs> calls Tommy and says, hey, Tommy. I'm looking for a piece of the action, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, giant hair, shing, shing. So they choose to meet at uh, a diner right down the street from where he lives. He says, I'll see you there in 15 minutes. She says, I'll make it five. So obviously, the game is afoot. So Jack and Ryan break into Dunn's apartment. Bungalow. Bungalow, flat. Set. (laughs) (laughs) Crap shack. And they they can't find the gloves at all. They're they're right. looking all over the place. And unfortunately, the date the 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 fake date is not going very well over yeah. at the diner because Don is really creepy. Yeah. I mean, slimy creepy. Yeah. Just 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 an, a regular asshole. Yeah. To where he 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 basically since he knows he's not going to get anything from Mickey, he storms off and leaves. Right. Heads back home, and guess who he finds in his apartment? Jack and Ryan. Right. A scuffle ensues. Tommy grabs the gloves out of a hole inside the fake wall of the fake set that's made for the apartment. Very smart on Tommy's part. That's right. And Jack is thrown out the door, but Ryan is behind, and he's stuck inside the room with Tommy with the gloves. Meanwhile, out in the parking lot, the shadow begins to descend upon Mickey. But luckily... She's got her camera on her. And as the shadow gets closer, Mickey starts taking photographs. And right. the flash actually affects Not the shadow. the shadow. And then up in the apartment, we learn it also affects Tommy. Right. So they feel each other's pain when it comes to the, the brightness of the light from the flash. Right. And so from the pain, our intrepid trio is able to escape in their vehicle and fight another day. Mm. The three of them go back to the shop and begin digging into what they've actually seen, trying to figure out the science and the how of how the gloves actually work and interact with the person that is that has them on their hands. After they make a battle plan, they head on back to the gym, during which the Joe Morton look-alike, you know, Kid Cornelius, well, he overhears that the three of them believe that Tommy has murdered Tony and Manny. And so the challenge is issued by Kid Cornelius to Tommy that it's time to throw down. Yeah. And this works brilliantly for the gang's Scooby-Doo-esque plan. It really does. 
because now Jack, being the master of disguise that he is, plays Tommy like a well-played fiddle. Yeah. Goes into the locker room and says, hey, I know all about the gloves. And if you want to keep things secret and on the down low, you can keep the gloves, but I get all the money. Well, 70% of all the money. What he's real, what Jack is really trying to do is goat Tommy into coming after him so that he is the target because they've got a plan. Right. And the plan is to get the fight rolling, to have the shadow go and attack Jack who, hey, kid, I'm going to be out in the parking lot waiting for you. By the way, I'm going to be out in the parking lot. That place that I'm going to be you. is in the parking lot waiting for you. By the way, have I you. mentioned that I'm going to be out in the parking lot waiting for you? Parking lot, another vocabulary word. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Kid Cornelius and Tommy are going to be fighting inside the mm-hmm. gym, inside the ring, because yep. it's time to throw down and, and have a battle. Let's obviously, get it on. Obviously, Tommy is, has wanted this to happen since he got the gloves back, because mm-hmm. he just wants to beat on Kid Cornelius' ass. So the fight begins. It's not going great for Cornelius at all. The shadow begins to assault Jack out in the parking lot. However, Mickey pops up with this portable plugged-in light and begins shining it at the shadow. And because we know that whatever affects the shadow affects Tommy, Kid Cornelius gets his chance and actually starts fighting back and has, has got Tommy on the ropes. Yeah. Until the shadow is able to knock the portable spotlight out of Mickey's hands, destroying it, and now nothing is stopping it from going after her, except for Jack, who lures it over to the other side of the parking lot, giving Mickey just enough time to think on her feet, smart girl, grabs the car keys, gets in the car, drives right up to Jack, and shines the headlights right on him, totally dissipating... The Shadow Boxer. And because the Shadow Boxer's been dissipated, you can imagine what happens to the wielder. Tommy gets his ass beat yeah. unconscious. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to watch. While Tommy is out unconscious, Ryan runs inside and accidentally congratulates Tommy by cutting off the gloves and taking him with him. Oh, yeah. Everybody's, everybody's worried about giving Kid Cornelius congratulations. So, you know, Ryan's able to stealthily just... Steal. Roll into the into the ring and, and just Cut steal the gloves off of But it's awesome. great. It works. It, is, it, it totally works. It totally works. Now, what's very interesting is that many episodes would just go, okay, great, and now the Mentos freeze moment. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's not what happens here. It, it's, it's an extraordinary piece. The story continues, and it starts with the three of them back at the shop. They're getting ready to retire for the evening, and Mickey is incredibly upset. The Tommy is apparently going to get off. Yeah, he's going to get he away with everything. Except yeah. for getting his ass beat, he doesn't get his just dessert mm. for killing people. And so she's incredibly upset and decides to go to bed. While lying in bed trying to wrestle with the moral implications of what has happened in the last few days, Mickey is suddenly assaulted by Tommy brandishing a huge knife. A giant Rambo size. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah, it's right out of a Rambo movie. Yeah. Jack and Ryan try to intervene, but obviously, with a giant knife there, there's no way that they can do anything. Nope, nope. They've... Ryan goes to recover the gloves because obviously that's what Tommy wants, and so he goes to get them. Jack stands there and is 
playing verbal war with Tommy. Tries to, to stall Tommy from doing anything stupid. Right, yep. right. And so Ryan finally arrives and gives Tommy back one of the gloves. Tommy, of course, realizes, well, wait a minute, this is only one of the gloves. Yep. And Ryan showcases the other glove that is on his left hand that then punches Jack. By punching Jack, that also means that the shadow that is now evoked will go and kick ass of the person that is going to be attacked by the wielder, i.e. Tommy. Yes. So Tommy gets pummeled, but Jack does also because (laughs) obviously Ryan's opening a can of whoop-ass on Jack. And Ryan is actually losing control. Yeah. No longer just trying to subdue Tommy, he's actually trying to hurt Jack. Yeah, it's it's an incredibly interesting twist that is followed by another interesting twist. In that, eventually, beats him down. uh, Mickey rustles the glove off of Ryan's wielding hand. Mm -hmm. And so, the day has been saved. Except, of course, for the dead body that's laying on the the bed that isn't breathing. Yes, he's all twitchy and and slowly dying. There's something really wrong with Tommy as he dies. Yeah. And the third twist that's thrown in here, just it's it's a giant salad of twists, is that he didn't actually die from the blows. He actually died from an aneurysm that exploded by having head trauma over the many years of that getting he started, his ass of kicked. Of having his ass kicked, right. right. So, uh, again, the, the cool part of everything that happens here is that the boxing gloves, the items, are... Recovered! Totally believable scumbag factor. This was amazing because I don't often, it's not, it's not because I'm evil and it's not because <laughs> I like the bad guys better than the good guys. But I'll tell you what really makes for compelling storytelling a lot of times is creating an enemy or a villain that you really don't like, mm-hmm. but that has an oozable factor of you will not like this character. And Wow on Tommy Dunn inside of this episode. Right. There is nothing compelling whatsoever in the positive for Tommy. There's nothing. No, no. They're able to paint it right at the beginning where, oh, okay, so he's just a dude that gets bullied while cleaning inside of the gym. It definitely starts that way. So there is that 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 initial lean-in moment that happens. They try to get you to feel sorry for the character up front. Yeah. Right. And then the rest of it is absolutely a downhill ski away from anything wanting to like the character. Yeah. In fact, it almost becomes a zealous interest in making sure that he doesn't succeed in doing anything that he has planned because you don't like him. Well, yeah, the more I, you I really get to know him, the more that you realize that whether he's... Just because he's a bad boxer and always gets his ass kicked doesn't mean that he's a good person either. Yeah. He's just he's just slimy through and through. Yeah. This is where a character like this... You get towards the end and you go, man, how do we kill this character? Well, you know, nobody's going to like him, right? Uh, I guess that means we can do whatever we want. Yeah, that's that's pretty true. Okay, so what if we do this? Why don't we have him beat half to death? Okay, that sounds great. Mm, yeah. And then uh, he's going to accidentally wander into traffic. Mm, okay. 
and his uh, right arm is taken off by a, a, a pizza delivery truck. Okay, you know, that doesn't sound too bad. A helicopter uh, crashes on top of him. <laughs> and and chops his other arm and legs off. Yeah, okay, that's great. And then, uh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have a bowling ball factory delivery truck. It actually stops and skids backwards. The back door opens up, and all the balls spill out and squash his head. That sounds like a perfect ending for this episode. Yeah, yeah, write that shit, man. Yeah, write it. That, that's right. that's what I, you know, whenever you can start stacking and it's like that and you go, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. That's kind of what I got from the end of this episode, which made me really enjoy this episode because you get to see the consequences dealt outright. It, I, I really enjoyed it. They, they painted a really, uh, steal your word, assholeish figure. Yeah. And the assholeish figure got his comeuppance, which is awesome. And it it's not often where the villains of the episodes were left with the the question, are they going to get theirs? Yeah. You know, most of the time, because of the cursed object, they end up dead anyway. Right. Well, that or, like, there's no way to throw the law back at them because you can't go to the cops and go, yeah, he had these cursed gloves and murdered people. Yeah, okay, whatever. Right. Get away. And they're, they're left with this this ambiguous feeling of, well, well, yes, we've saved the day. The items have been recovered. They're in the vault. He can't hurt anybody else. But he's never going to pay for what he did to the people with that item. Right. And we've never really had that before in any of these episodes. So it was a great way to end this episode having, well, not end, but about to end that episode, leaving that, that animosity between characters, um, Ryan and Mickey. Ryan is fine with everything that's happening. He's like, we got the gloves. No, no big deal. He can't hurt anybody else. Mickey wants justice. I really like that. There could have been, there could have been a huge rift that could have formed from just that. But of course the events of Dunn breaking in and then, you know, him getting his ass kicked by a shadow, took care of everything because he dies and he gets his, he does get his comeuppance. Yeah. Well, the, the neat part about the character development inside the series also allows it for it still to come up. Mm. This is something that in the future, if they chose to go back to it, yeah. they can yeah. go, look, this can't be another Tommy Dunn gloves moment, guys. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. It's all absolute storytelling building. It's great. The Terrible Peril of writing and reviewing MMA for 10 years. For those that are curious, I have been a former combat combat fighting writer for a variety of magazines that include Savage Science, FighterReviews.com, and more. And the, the gist here is this, is after having seen enough people beat on each other in real life right. for so many years, when you see somebody for lack of a better term, faking looking like you're beating on people. It's not that it hurts to watch. Mm-hmm. It's just it has no peril and there it, it takes you out of the moment the moment without question. Ah, okay. So the the very first fight is a terrible looking fight. I mean it they they hardly deliver cowboy punches. It's all just punches where you see they are not landing punches. Mm. They've inserted sound effects and just kind of roll the bones on it. The subsequent fights, those aren't too bad. They're, they're okay. The Kid Cornelius fight is actually pretty good in regard to Kid Cornelius Kid Cornelius giving. I actually wonder if there weren't a couple of times where he actually was punching hmm. on uh, on Tommy. I, it was at least a couple that looked like he actually hit him. Uh, anyway, the reason I brought that up is that the, the, the uncanny valley of watching people beat each other inside of an episode like this is all dependent on how many times you've actually seen real people beat on each other. Yeah. And what you have here is that 
it's that it's the again it's the uncanny valley where if you don't have the experience and knowledge to have a problem with what you're seeing inside the uncanny valley, mm-hmm. well then you don't notice it and it doesn't matter. Yeah, like me. Right. I I don't I don't watch MMA so. I, I don't even watch boxing on a regular basis. So even though, of course, I have watched enough films that had boxing in it. So having seen stuff like that, yes, most of the most of the fight choreography was a little eh, hammy mm-hmm. because we've seen really great fight choreography yeah. mm-hmm. in other shows and other oh, yeah. films. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. But for a totally different reason, because I, I wasn't a writer for for actual men on men beating the hell out of each other. dot com. Yeah, it, it's it, it, again, it's 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 the terrible peril of having experience at writing. Though I had a great time doing it. Yeah, and I I take a lot of that uh, visual vocabulary with me as well, just looking at things like this. So it's. Uh, wasn't a fan of what I saw, especially inside that first fight, but wonderful that many of the other pieces of the uh, the, the fights that were uh, depicted here actually got what I thought was right inside of what needed to be depicted. Those larger cowboy punches, mm. the, the stuff where the camera is angled appropriately so that you can see that it is, uh, rather it looks like it's impacting, rather than, hey, look, we're clearly not touching each other, and you'll just deal with it. Right. I, I like that they, they got a hold of that towards the end. The peril factor of Tommy with Mickey. This is another stellar piece of the episode that we've already alluded to, mm-hmm. but something I wanted to make sure that we focused on inside of especially the positive here. There are many especially movies where you get down to the third act and somebody's got somebody at knife point or gunpoint. And what you never sense way too often is an actual sense of peril. Yeah. Where it becomes a more often than not a monologuing moment where the villain literally is, I, I you'll rule the day that even, you know, moving around the gun where it, it would definitely hurt, but it wouldn't instantly kill somebody or moving the knife away to point at people, you know, while they're, while they're exclaiming whatever the, whatever the vocabulary, the sentences that they're saying, instead of keeping it at their throat, where if somebody were to dart in from behind you and try and take you away, you'd end up slitting their throat anyway. Right. It's the diehard. It's the diehard method. Right. Hans Gruber's going to continue to monologue to John McClane while he holds on to Holly Gennaro but he's got the gun and he doesn't have to always point it at her to still be in control. Yeah. And what I got from this is an absolute sense of peril. This is done by doing several things. One, the kissing that Tommy was doing on her. Oh. Incredibly disturbing. It's very sleazy. Yeah. It's where you look at it and you, you have that little back shoulder shutter thing. Yeah. And you go, yeah, that, you know, again, it solicits that I hate you response, which is really, really good. The other thing was holding that knife menacingly. It, it it looked like it was one of those larger black black powder coated Rambo knives mm. from from back in the eighties, and it's menacing. It's where you know the wrong cut would do some real damage, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's it's wielded incredibly well. There's a couple of shots with it between her breasts, at her neck, the side of her face. All of that was all done really well. To right under her up. eye. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, in her nostril. That's the other one that oh, got me. Oh, yeah. Got it right up in there in her nostril. And I, there's no way that that was in, in the, uh, okay, let's let's have our rehearsals. Tommy, <laughs> your name of actor for Tommy, you're going to go and grab Roby. Roby, just sit there. We're going we're gonna to do this a couple times. There's no way inside of the rehearsals that the knife blade was put inside the nostril. No You don't think way. that was in the, in the, in the script? No. Dunn puts not puts no blade way. inside nostril. No, no way. You don't think so? Look, no? yeah, look at her face. <laughs> look at her face, and you tell me that that was in this script. Great no acting way. on both parts. It was because Roby was delivering the absolute terror. Oh, it was great. It, it was it was fantastic, and again, it it kept me inside of that that moment where you go, okay, well, I know that they live because there's an episode nine. I get it, but. And that's what I want. Yeah. That's what I want from anything that I watch. I realize that if we're at episode 11 of a 24 episode season or 23 episode season, guys, I get it. (laughs) Numbers are numbers. I get it. But give me the peril. Give me real peril that's going to solicit the response like this does. Just wonderful. The twist of having to utilize the gloves themselves. You and I both know that we love good, solid twists. And the previous episodes of Friday the 13th, the series that we've seen, have allowed us to see where they recover the stuff, and cool, we're done. Yeah. And I love that we weren't done twice. Yeah. That being able to pull that off inside of 47 or inside of 43 slash 47 minutes is an incredibly interesting feat, but it has to be done appropriately. And I thought that this one did it, did it wonderfully. Yeah, I, I was actually sitting here, and you could see the counter at the bottom of the episode. And there's still, I still know after we've got the gloves back, there's still a good eight minutes of story left. And I'm like, ooh, what, what, well, what are we going to do? The item has been recovered. We're we're fine. Everything's everything. And whoa, okay. Uh, twists, uh, especially in horror, can be very, very stupid. Yes. Without and, question. Yeah, Without and, question. and for right. actually, for more often than not, they're stupid. Yeah, I agree. This time, this time around, I did not see Ryan coming back and actually wearing one of the gloves so that he could activate his shadow boxer mm-hmm. to 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 get rid of Dunn. Didn't see that coming. I thought it was a brilliant move. But then you also see what happens to Ryan. You see what happens to Jack, and you see what happens to Mickey because of these events. And even though we get everything nice and wrapped up at the end of the episode with, you know, a wink and a nod and, oh, we're going to be okay. And Mentos moment. Right, right? Mentos moment. Mm -hmm. You're still left there going like, well, but what if? What if? Because you've got Ryan affected by an object. This is actually an object that can affect other people once once they've used it. We haven't seen that either which I also like. I mean, we're only eight episodes in, but we haven't seen that yet. You've got Jack, who's just gotten his ass kicked, and you've got Mickey, terrorized by Dunn, but now horrified that Ryan not only put a cursed object on, but is wailing on Jack and is not himself. Mm -hmm. So just the fact that they actually utilize that for an ending of an episode... This early in the show's existence, I really thought it was brave, and I absolutely love it. 
are our three heroes immune to the possessed objects? This is a question we've asked two or three times, I think, during the during the run of our series so far. Especially the first episode. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you would think, okay, proximity, or is it because they are able to wield the items and put them into the vault that they've gotten some magical resistance power die throw? Right, yeah. That allows them to have a higher enhancement and plus factor for uh, a saving throw when it comes to touching and or interacting with the objects. I got, I got a plus seven belt <laughs> of non-cursed objectory. <laughs> <laughs> something and it's something that we've talked about previously and what I, again what i love about this episode is that it's not only roped in through one of the twists that happens inside of this episode where it has multiple twists but it's also showcased wonderfully mm. i.e i put the glove on and i'm beating ass right and you've got a shadow boxer beating ass also yes it, it it's wonderful and then also that that he is literally being impacted by it i.e the, the, the if you watch what happens where Mickey's over there trying to rip the glove off, mm. you can see that he's not in his right mind. Right, and I love that. I absolutely love that because it helps to profess or push forward the concept that they can be impacted, right, and that they are not immune. At least to that one, you know, that's the other cool part. And, is, and I'm sure it'll probably pop up again to where just touching something may affect somebody but you got to look at it in the first episode the inheritance Mm. ryan grabs the doll out of the little girl's hand and uh, all activity stops oh okay in dr jack ryan steals the scalpel Mm -hmm. and he doesn't have for a long period of time yeah he's 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 running through the hospital with it mickey mickey i got the scalpel no murderous yeah he doesn't want to go and kill anybody and then perform surgery on anybody yeah there's no need or desire for anything like that. So to, to actually have finally an object that when put on, held in the way that it's supposed to be held, actually does affect you. Ooh, I, I, I can't wait to see more stuff like this happening in the future of this series. The shadow coming to life. You would think that this would be kind of a nothing burger in that, you know, hey, we're going to have a shadow. But what they've pulled off inside of this is one wonderful shadow effects where clearly it was just a light and a dude making a silhouette. Bravo. Mm -hmm. Bravo. And then the other stuff was just probably shot in front of a green screen with Mm -hmm. a guy wearing, I I don't even know, just like a a, a skin tight suit or something like that. Maybe, maybe not. I think it was shooting. I think it was shooting a shadow on a green screen because then you've got that that throughput and then you've got the the clear background and you just put it over whatever you want. Anyway, the, the, the gist here is this, is that being able to pull off compelling storytelling while having effects that not only foster the storytelling, but are good to look at. Guys, it's right here. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I want to see inside of every modern day story rather than the CGI laced crapaganza that we see often inside of many television stories. Speaking right of that, I've seen shadow effects used with CGI that look worse yeah. than what we've got back in 1986, yes. 1987 syndicated television. I mean, come on. Yeah. There, there isn't one of these shadow effects that isn't legit inside of this entire thing. The only one that's on the bottom of the category is where they've got the shadow on the ground kind of, kind of fetus position. Yeah. And the only yeah. reason that that, 
it's not nearly as compelling is because he's in the fetal position and you go, okay, so if I make a silhouette that's in the fetal position, okay, it looks like kind of a big ass blob. Right. Yeah. And so that's the only piece that wasn't quote compelling inside of the, the shadow creation process inside this episode, but the rest of it, absolute perfect. The, the, the touching of the gloves of the shadow that could not be done any better and more simply than, Hey, why don't we do this? Why don't you stand over there? And you got the gloves on and I'll stand over here and have nothing except a camera. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that piece with Manny in the front end where he's walking down an alley and in one, one side behind him, there's the guy doing the, the gaffy stick with the gloves held right. high move. Yeah. And then he, he kind of gets scared and he walks three or four steps and they turn the other way. And at the other end of the alley is exactly the same thing. Those were all affected by just having a dude standing there in shadow with a light behind him. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about when making compelling storytelling that also features effects that foster the storytelling and don't take away from anything inside the storytelling. We've talked about a lot in a very short period of time, but you know what? It's time to rest. Just kidding. We'll be right back. (laughs) Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box from the voice box voicefarmers.com that's voicefarmers.com mom and dad always said never talk to strangers but stranger danger never applied to new podcasts What better way to figure out whether you want to stick with your new podcasting relationship than to get inside the minds of the hosts? Take a deeper look on what makes these horror hosts tick at twoguystalkinghorror.com. That's twoguystalkinghorror.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and they're ready for yours now. 
Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of every episode of Friday the 13th, the series, this time Season 1, Episode 8, Shadow Boxer. Every time we come back from break during the Curious Goods Podcast, it's time to whip out the Curious Goods. Our curious goods are where Nick and I look at this most recent episode and find something in an actor's portrayal or a special effect or something else inside the storytelling that tripped our collective evening. Fantastic. Nick, what have you got? I am actually going to use my opportunity, you know, showcasing my curious good to talk about the one ding that I felt was in this episode. Heresy, you son of a bitch. Ah, yes. My curious good is all on the negative side. (laughs) It is a cursed object. It is the continuity of activating the shadow boxer. Okay. The first two times that Tommy uses the gloves, he's holding, He's you know, he's got the the, the gloves, he's holding it up against the wall, they meet, the the shadow and the gloves meet, and then the shadow boxer takes off and does his thing. Does that the first two times. That right there tells me that to activate the shadow boxer, you must touch the gloves to your shadow to let the shadow loose. Okay. So now there are rules that have been set up. When Tommy grabs the gloves, when Ryan and Jack are in his apartment, and he goes after Ryan... He just puts on the gloves, and then all of a sudden, the shadow boxer is just outside, going after Mickey. Well, that's a that that's something completely different. We've never we we haven't seen that. And towards the end of the episode, right before the fight with Kid Cornelius, we don't see him activate the shadow boxer, but we would assume that he does the same thing because we actually get a shot of him doing the ooh crazy eyes and ooh look at look at the guns welcome to the gun show and ooh i love my gloves which happens every time he's about to activate touching the shadow on the wall so my only really the only ding for me in this episode and that's why i'm making it my curious good is the inconsistency of activating the power i will collectively accept a nod <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, I, I, I kind of think of it this way. If you'd have seen Ryan with both gloves on at the end, would that rid ourselves of the salacious crumb moment you're having? Had we actually seen Ryan put the gloves on, activate the power the way that it was activated no, for the that, first time? you can't do that. Though. I know you can't do that. That's the thing. But, but if he'd have had two gloves on, would you have then been satiated because then at least the process is in place? Well, see, my thing is, is that I already assumed that he had two gloves on to activate the power took one off to hand to Dunn when he came back upstairs i was able to write it off in my head during the episode i'm just saying for me to notice that there was an inconsistency of activating the power that's why it's a ding and that's why it's my curious good i think my curious good for this episode has got to be 
top-notch situational production design. There's several things that have to happen inside of this episode that are absolutely valid. The first is we need a gym. Fine, here's your gym. Yep. The second is we need Tommy's apartment. Given, small, incredibly crapo, it is Tommy's apartment. That's, yeah. That is exactly it's where a, a guy like guy's that guy's apartment yeah. looks like, just like that. We need several streets where street shots are shot, okay? And I think then last we've got the diner. Doesn't need to be extravagant, just needs to be a reasonably blurry neon sign in the background, which, checkbox, yeah. accomplished. Uh, this is another episode where exactly what needs to be in place, not only between the actors, the storytelling, the object, but the the panthea, the the frame of the photograph right. is all in place and it's wonderful because it's perfectly in place. It's all appropriate. None of it looks like a haunted house that they needed to steal for an episode. And the acting absolutely propels everything going on inside the storytelling and the effects put the little cherry on top of it. Again, total nod of the cap to my curious good for this episode, the production design. And I'm curious to know what your Curious Good is. Let me know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out that quick web form and tell us what you think. Vocabulary. We've had a lot of words inside this episode, but it is now time to focus on some specific words. Our first word refers to Tommy's small, incredibly dilapidated El Crapo apartment. Bungalow. Now, thanks to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com, I was able to look up the word bungalow, and what I see here is a small house with a single story. So you know what? It doesn't actually fit. Nope. That's just Mike conjuring vocabulary <laughs> to put inside the episode but one of my favorite words that i do like to use when i'm referring to people and where they live it's just it's got flavor it's something that you don't hear often uh it doesn't i don't have any entomology of the word like where the word came from but it is one of my favorite words to use so it sounds good but it's completely inaccurate for this episode gotcha right, right. remember small house with a single story payphone Ah, the world of payphones. I do remember them specifically when I would go and watch movies. Because back in the, especially 80s, I didn't have the super brick saved by the bell phone. I had some money in my pocket and I would go and call my dad. And he'd come and get me and my friends or not girlfriend that would, that would go and see a movie to get our asses picked up and then shucked back home. Yeah, I... Same, same here, same here. Yeah. I, payphones I, I are... remember using payphones. Actually, I remember using payphones as late as 2002. Wow. Yeah, wow. 2002, maybe 2003. Yeah, inside of our most recent perspective review over at whatcopswatch.com, there was actually a reference to that inside of the fugitive perspective review that we just did, where uh, Southside Chicago cop Tommy, Tommy Model, he actually went to where the payphone was inside of Chicago. That Dr. Kimball used? Yeah. He ah. went back there, and you can still see where the where the payphone mount was, Yeah, but it's now gone. But it's now gone. It's now gone. Very interesting. We're going to link over to that perspective review as well, because that is 
I, I'm not just saying because it's aren't one of our most recent perspective reviews, but because of the people and characters that were involved inside of that review, it is one of my favorites. Again, that's over at two guys talking.com forward slash the fugitive. Oftentimes the payphone isn't just stuck on a wall someplace or on a post in the middle of a bridge. Like it was inside of that South Chicago based scene that Tommy went to look at. Very often it's encased inside of a phone booth. Now phone booths. I do not remember the last time that I even saw a phone booth much less, except maybe on television, but like just walking by one. I don't know. Here's a sample. I can't tell you where one is inside of metropolitan St. Louis. But I seriously doubt there is one. In my entire life, I have never seen a phone booth in reality. Mm. Only on television. Now I've seen pay phones, yeah. but none of those pay phones have ever been located inside a phone booth. Mm. Now, very interesting. And again, for those of you that are our younger listeners... This <laughs> They're is, scratching their heads going yeah, like, what, the, this is what are these two old timers <laughs> talking about? This is something that existed that was, you know, fabled inside of this, the comic, the storied comic book pages that you all love and revere still to this day inside of the original Superman comics where he would spring into a phone booth where obviously, look, nobody's watching anybody inside of a phone booth. Right. And he would change out his clothes and then fly away as Superman or vice versa. Anyway, a phone booth. Another third vocabulary word inside this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. What struck you guys in regard to vocabulary that was either inside the episode or something that you noted as you were thinking about what's going on inside the episode? Let us know by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Ah, the rating! An always interesting time and place to visit with Nick and Mike inside of the Curious Goods Podcast. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. The Muhammad Ali of what you see inside the fight game. And in this corner, we have a 1. The incredible story of the worst boxer ever, Brian Sutherland. Never heard of him. Me either. (laughs) Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? I know we're really early on in this first season of the show, and and we've we've kind of used the excuse before. This it's so young doesn't have enough provenance in front of it to decide what's going on. Right, right. But you know what? <laughs> if if I had to gauge out of these first eight episodes, I would have absolutely no problem giving this particular episode a very high rating. Tease. I'm, yes, I'm not done yet. <laughs> Let me tease you a little bit more. There was so much good that was going on with this episode that I had a hard time even compiling notes because I was distracted by how (laughs) engaging this episode was. Yeah. Yeah. And despite my, my one little ding where my curious good was concerned or my Nick picking of the 
continuity of activating super boxing glove powers activate. <sighs> Man, you know what? I, I'm just going to do it. For me, this was a 10 episode. Mm. I enjoyed mm. it from from start to finish. There was there really no, no fat to cut off for me. Great effects, great production value, great acting. Continued building on character development for our main three. We had a great villain. Effects were fun. Ten. That's a really good score for this episode. I don't need to copy everything that you just said, mostly because I don't want to copy what you just said. (laughs) What I also do want to add is I want to add in that there was a double twist at the end, and then the reason that the guy dies has very little to do with only the activity that happens at the end of the episode. Yeah. And also, it's just something, you know, I, it's so ironic that we're, we're talking about this now because inside the fight game, in particular boxing, there is something that is becoming incredibly noteworthy. It's also happening inside of the world of the professional football league, uh, the NFL. Yeah. And what that is is ongoing trauma to the head impacting people's lives as they get older yeah. in particular especially yeah. after they finish the game whether it is being a fighter muhammad ali mm-hmm. whether it is being a football player unfortunately a list too long too long to even go into to yeah. mention the yeah. most recent i can remember though there are others is junior seau uh, if we talk about professional wrestling there are so many people inside of the cone of you got to be kidding me. This has to be CTE related. It, it it's it's something that struck me re- most recently when I was watching the story of former linebacker Bill Romanowski, one of the my favorite people to watch play football, and it's because the man was just an animal when he played the game. I, yeah. I I wish that there was something else that I could tell you of why I liked watching him. He was incredibly passionate. He threw himself literally into the game. And that makes for what was, especially back then, compelling football. There's no question. The problem, though, is that Bill Romanowski appeared on a series of 60-minute intervals. And inside the 60-minute intervals, he absolutely admits to things that he could not control and wasn't even sure that he had done them. And, and, And the ball just expands. And as you listen to him talk, and as you watch him either from a third-party perspective or while you're watching him inside the interview, there are some very serious things happening to people that have continued ongoing brain trauma. Mm -hmm. Whether it's something as simple as a simple jab box uh, moment inside of a boxing match with larger gloves or inside of the MMA ring that have much, much smaller gloves. But that ongoing impact as well as into something as absolutely front-face centering as the National Football League. Uh, it is uh, CTE is not something that is accidental. It is something that is absolutely provable. The people that have donated, or the families, sadly, that have had their loved ones' brains donated to figure out what's going inside of someone's brain. Yeah. It, it really is tragic. But that they use something like that inside this episode as an out, I thought that that was wonderful. It was a, it was something fresh and different, and I would have never thought of that. It's a nice, it's a nice little wrap up ending for Dunn's character, but it also gets Ryan off the hook. 
he yeah. hasn't murdered somebody. Yeah. So now the guilt, he doesn't have to carry that guilt, right. which would have changed the character immensely. Yeah. Essentially where I was going with all of this is that I don't ever want to say because so-and-so got his head beat so often, so terribly, that's why they decided to murder somebody. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you that it's a factor. There are so many cases, in particular inside of the the wrestling cone currently, where you can look back and an entire family is now gone. Chris Benoit. A a perfect sample. Yeah. Handicapped son, beautiful, gorgeous wife, both murdered by Chris before he killed himself. Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm talking about, where they could go back and they could find very significant problems, as well as things leading up to it that now, with a clearly painted picture, mean something completely different. That's that's what we're talking about here. And again, to go back to that, to explain that behavior incredibly deep. And for it to be used as a story point in a throwaway show on syndicated television back in the late 80s, 30 years ago. ago. I mean, come on. Wow. And with all of that, you can culminate my score also into a 10. That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Season 1, Episode 8 of Friday the 13th, the series, Shadow Boxer. Go over to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you thought this episode should be rated. Nick, I don't feel like beating you about the head and shoulders with these gloves I just found. So, hmm. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I think I'll put them away in the hole inside of my incredibly crappy apartment. Or your bungalow. In my bungalow. There it is. <laughs> as I say it, do as do we all inside this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, one of your other hosts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. Mike nods reluctantly. <laughs> Mike nods reluctantly. Uh, I hate it when I have the, the I have the little whoop and then I have because that's what's happening right now. Okay, so we'll go if it makes it a better episode. Okay, it's time to whip out the curious goods. Our curious goods, <laughs> right?
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You got it. You were scoffing me for a moment. There. I didn't scoff you. I was like, I'm <laughs> whipping it out. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh, Shipper waitress is awesome. <laughs> I don't need your approval. <laughs> <laughs>